Hey everyone, welcome to the Full Cup. Welcome back. It has been a while. It's been like, I don't know, over a month probably. Sorry about the wait. I have had a lot of people asking when is another episode coming and I said soon, um, but really just whenever we could squeeze some time in. So it's a Monday morning and we squeeze some of that. And you're on location. I'm on location. I came (laughs) up to Rachel's house. So we might sound a little different than our typical area, but um, over the last couple of weeks, I get on Marco Polo and I have a group of friends that I chat with and a very high topic, a high topic, no, a very popular topic that has been discussed over the last week is the holidays coming and surviving your family and surviving your in-laws. So here are some of the problems that I have heard about. Okay, so a very popular one has been in-laws or family saying, hey, this is what we're doing this holiday season, okay? So on the 12th, we're doing gingerbread houses. And on the 14th, we're all going to see the lights. And on the 17th, we are um, all going to get together and open pajamas. And, And this isn't like small family units. This is like extended family. Mm -hmm. So, um, people feeling overwhelmed, like, uh, well, how am I going to fit this all in? One, two, you don't get to decide my holiday season and how it is, but worried about setting boundaries and creating fights because Mm. it's the holidays and you want to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had one friend who was like, I literally got a calendar of like 17 items on the docket for the month of the family. And I was like, oh my goodness. What is funny as you're saying this is I'm thinking, is it really your Marco Polo group or are you feeling this from our family? <laughs> well, you know. Because I was going to say the answer is just tell Danny because he's really good at setting boundaries. He is. Well, actually, yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll give you a little bit about us. So I went out to dinner with Rachel and her husband on Friday night with my husband. And then uh, Saturday night. <laughs> what is going to tell you a lot about this? <laughs> Rachel had um, a Christmas party with all of her friends, but I'm one of her friends. So I was invited and we And came. my friends are friends with you yes. as well. They all, there. last year you didn't come or two years and it was like, where's Libby? Oh, so. I know. When I actually showed up and I was like, you have like a new crew of friends. I, a lot of them I'd never even seen before, but they're all really friendly and nice. And, and I did know quite a few of them, but, and then Sunday I got a text from Rachel that was like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Nice sell on the Marco Polo. Sorry. My friends. It's were... okay. It's okay. That's why we're here to talk about our real issues, <laughs> pretending they're other people's issues. So her text on Sunday was like, would it be too much to do <laughs> dinner <laughs> tonight on Sunday? Um, I you guys could all come over and we'll watch a Christmas movie and in our jammies. In our jammies and eat so, dinner. Yes. And what sparked that, what's funny is my kids, I have two, I have four kids. Two of those kids, if we do something once that they really enjoy, it suddenly becomes a tradition. Yeah. And they are so concerned. And what's funny, they're my bookends, my oldest and my youngest. Oh, okay. And so, like, if we go to dinner on a Wednesday night with 
I don't know, a neighbor, they'll be like, we should do that every Wednesday yeah. night and with always with that person. Yeah. So totally. my youngest had asked, when are we having our family Christmas movie? Because we did it two years ago and had everyone here, our whole family to watch yeah. a movie and ate popcorn. And it was fun. Right. And it is fun. <clears throat> and like, the funny thing is, is I worked on Sunday. So I was like, I, my husband's going to want to stay home. We're a pass. And then I ended up getting called off of work. Danny said, you know, should we go up there now? I know the kids will want to go. And Danny had worked 85 hours last week. Yeah, so I just so amazing. My gosh. I just said, and I also was like, you know what, Danny? It would be really fun. However, we don't do a lot with just our kids. And I want to start nurturing that. So we stayed home. We had a great night. We took around treats to the neighbors. We watched a Star Wars movie and I thought my kids were going to be pouting because they love to be with their cousins. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. They love it too. And you forgot to mention that my kids slept over at your house. <laughs> so, Friday and Saturday. No. Yes. Yeah. Did they do doubles? Did they do? No. Well, they, I Just mean, you night. traded one girl for one boy, oh, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and they were pissed when I showed up to get them on Sunday. Yeah. So, so we, they, we are in mesh. We love each other, but. For me, it's like I have to tell myself. I don't have someone else saying, oh, we need space from the family. I have to tell myself. My right. family is great, but I want to work on our little family unit and build our own traditions and our own strength and um, sense of security in our little home and make it a place they want to be instead of just at your house. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? It was actually, I love that you guys didn't come, even though we'd love you there, because the only person that did come was my sister, Sarah. And I don't get, we don't get chances because we're with our family a lot together to be one-on-one -on -one like that with each yeah. other's families. And so not only, I mean, we missed you guys, obviously, but you setting that boundary benefited your family and ours as well. Yeah. So that question that your friends ask, I mean, I feel like we've talked about different things that would connect with that. First of all, what I think of with that is the idea that we've talked about on half to versus choose to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Have to, anytime I feel like we're being motivated out of have to, it's a fear-based motivation. Yeah. What are they going to think? They're going to be mad at me. I want to keep my the kids peace. are going to be pouting mm -hmm. my kids and, and either because we don't want to have to face the discomfort that's going to come with that or the fear of expectation of us living up to an expectation or I've proven my love, right. By doing these things, or this mm -hmm. is, then there's this have to mentality. And I feel like when we are motivated out of have to is when we find we, we start to create resentment yes. about things that are happening, yeah. which is easy when we have expectations of family, um, choose to, but that can also choose to, I believe is the place we always need to find ourselves motivated out of. Even if the result's the same, we're going, but we're going because we choose to, not because we have to. So you can just change that attitude in your mindset? The perspective. Yeah. The glasses that you wear in looking at what you're doing isn't out of a have to, it's out of a choose to, even if the result's the same. And I think we talked about this in a prior podcast, talking about church, going because you have to or because you choose to. The end result is you're there. But when you choose to, it feels much lighter than you have to. Yeah. It changes the way. Oh, I agree. That you connect with it. That can be hard, though, to dig deep and make yourself make that change. Yes. That's, I think, where the struggle lies. So how I would recommend going about that, too, when we're trying to find things that we're going to choose to do, you have to recognize what your values are, what you value most, 
in your day, what you choose to, just what you value as a mother, as a wife, as a, as a individual and how to implement those things in your life. And, and that's where I'd say the setting point of deciding what you say no to. So give me an example of a value. Okay. Well, I, this is how I, this is an activity that I sometimes will talk to my clients about and helping identify values. Okay. Okay. So I would say to you, Libby, tell me the name of three people that you look up to. Okay. My dad, Craig, my grandma, Lula, and my friend, Megan Peterson. Okay. Now give me four characteristics that Craig has that you admire about him, mm. which is okay. one of the reasons you look up to um, him. Integrity. Mm, I want to say integrity again. Okay. Um, knowledge. He's very smart. Okay. Um, unconditionally loving. Okay. And brave. Okay. Give me four characteristics. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Give me four characteristics of your grandma Lula that you admire or look up to. (sighs) Um, loving, peaceful, like a peacemaker. Um, I don't know the word for this, but like her motivation is her family. Like that's her priority. Her number one priority is her family. Okay. And service. Okay. Megan Peterson, four characteristics. Family oriented again, driven, loving, and integrity. Is this Meg's Reads, Megan? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, shout out to her. Awesome. Instagram. I follow her. Yeah. I'm not a big, I just learned to read, love to read. (laughs) I just learned to read, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. No, learn to love to read. Should we give her a shout out? Yeah. And Megity Megs. No, it's just Megs. What did I say it was? Megs Reads. Yeah. Meg, Meg Reads or something. Is her Instagram, what's it called? Name? Instagram. C dot Meg dot read. Yeah. C Meg read. Yes. Is her Instagram handle handle. I knew you'd know the word. You millennial. No, you're not a millennial. Are you? Uh, yeah. I'm on the end. You're a cusp. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I learned to love to read and I follow her because I don't know what to read now that I love it. And she yeah, has great she recommendations. Reads, so. She reads about 20 books a week and post recommendations. On yeah. Them, so she has you need that. really good information. Okay. So backing up here, Craig, you said, now I want you to give me some evidence. How do you know Craig has integrity? How do you know dad has integrity? Um, because you can't have a conversation with him without telling you exactly what he believes. Yes. Like he will say it to anyone. He does not care. He will. He's not tiptoeing around to not be offensive or to be uh, PC. He's just like, this is what I believe and I know it and I'm going to tell you everything. Yes. And you can see it in him as well, right? Okay, good. Um, Knowledge. How do you know he's smart? Well, maybe he's faking it, but he he, um, can throw out quotes and facts and numbers and things that he's read and studied. And and I just know because it's evidence-based. He works and I know people he works with and they tell me how his life, their lives have changed. And I go, Oh, he must be good at that. Okay. How do you know he loves unconditionally? Um, because I 
have felt conditional and unconditional love from him. I mean, I think we all have from our parents when you do something wrong and they get mad at you, you feel like that was conditioned. But ultimately, I know and I have felt that he will love me no matter what I do or choose or who I am or or who I'm not. Okay, how do you know he's brave? Um, because he would go down to the school and scream at people. I mean, he always says, I'm sitting in the truck if you need me. But before he learned that, he um, was a tough son of a bitch that would tear anyone's head off for me if needed be. And also because he, that's one way of looking at it. But another way of looking at it is because he isn't afraid to say who he is or what he believes. And I think just being that shows yeah, that you're that brave. Yeah, takes courage. Yeah. Okay. Lula, how do you know she was loving? Because I can feel her love still when I just think about her. Okay. How do you know that she was a peacemaker? Um, because I saw her sit quietly and just be loving and you know she didn't talk about anyone badly she just loved everyone and just brought a sense of calmness and peace with her like spirit and her body and yeah she just carried it with her yeah I love that we're getting to sit and talk about this right now at the holidays and talk about her and dad um okay how do you know that she made her family a priority because are you kidding me? We still have Thanksgiving together with a hundred <laughs> with 120 people, people. <laughs> all because of grandma Lula. She's not with us anymore, but it's kind of in memory of her that um, family was very important to her. And so we carry on these traditions that were started by her. Okay. And service oriented. How do you know? Oh, cause she was always in her kitchen cooking and taking care of her family. Yeah. Okay. Megan Peterson, how do you know she's family-oriented? <laughs> how do you not know? Because it is her focus. It is her life. And I don't know if she still has it, but I, when I went to her old house, she had this creed when you walked in that was like our family creed. And it was this, um, I don't even know what you would call it, but it was a paper typed up mm-hmm. with all of the things that her and her kids and husband sat down and talked about that were important to their family and they displayed it like this is us and this is what you'll get. And I just Hmm. always thought that was really neat. That's awesome. Okay. How do you know she's driven? Um, because she typed that paper (laughs) (laughs) and she reads 20 books a week. Hello. And is still an amazing mother. She is. Yeah. She's, she can get it done. Okay. Loving. Yeah. I've just felt her love. Okay. And integrity. Um, the same. She is not afraid to say what she believes and stand up for truth that she believes in. Okay. Now, why I asked you for evidence in all these is because sometimes when I ask people, tell me about someone you value, and then we talk about the characteristics, a lot of times we elevate people ab- above and see them differently because of our own faults. Mm-hmm. And when we look for evidence to support it, it really helps us understand if it is a truth. Okay. So as we talk about these three individuals that you look up to and the characteristics that they have, there's a theme. I would say, I mean, Mm -hmm. in talking, you mentioned integrity, love, almost in all of them, family oriented, brave, 
service, all of those things mm-hmm. kind of tied together. So I would say to you, the things that you value are family as a priority, mm-hmm. love, mm-hmm. integrity, and service. So if you know those are what you value, what you hold close to your heart, making sure that your actions are aligned with what it is that you value. Say that last line again. Making sure your actions okay. line up. I need to make sure my well, actions line well, up. Well, so when we're talking about um, have to versus choose to, mm-hmm. if you understand what you value, it's easier to make those decisions based on choose to instead of have to. Okay. Because if you recognize what you value is family, your small family unit, and you said, I don't get a lot of alone time with my family, mm-hmm. then the the perspective that you're using and saying no is empowered because you're choosing to say no to make your family a priority to work on that yeah thing that i see as something very important yeah as something that you see as important that you admire in others so it, therefore i believe that shows a value that you hold to that and so making sure that your actions empowering not making sure just empowering yourself to line up your actions with your values, with what you... It kind of gets rid of the need to feel bad about it or yeah. because this is a good thing you're striving for. Yeah. It's kind of kind of like when I visit with someone that's a yes person, they value, you know, oftentimes I'll see people that say, <laughs> I mean, many times <laughs> I will see people that say, I value my family, but when they're in my office because they do so many things, they've lost themselves and feel like they're sinking and overwhelmed with the expectation of everyone. Yeah. Right? Oh, and so is that. saying yes conducive to you valuing your family? Is saying yes to all of those things that don't influence your family effective for where you're trying to go? Yeah. So would you recommend someone making a list like this of people they respect and what their qualities <clears throat> are? And- yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you why also moving on. When I said have to versus choose to about spending time with in-laws, expectation, how to do that with the holidays, there also goes back to the whole idea of boundaries. We've talked about that. What you let in your front door, what you let in your kitchen, what you let in your bedroom, you're the one that gets to decide. You decide how to set those boundaries. And if it's hard for you, I would say if you come up with a list of people that it, that you admire and if you know, you're trying to set boundaries but you don't know how or you don't feel brave enough to because it's going to be different for you, Try on one of these people. Like, Does that make sense? You tender them, like you, like, yeah, like you would a pair of jeans if you went to the mall. You put them on. You kind of walk around, sit down, make sure your butt crack doesn't show. Touch your toes, or it does, <laughs> <laughs> or always shows. <laughs> then you stick a pencil in it. No. <laughs> That's what I do to you. <laughs> uh, Side note: Yeah, my butt crack always shows. Yes, just she has the cutest butt ever. <laughs> Anyways, um, you would try it on. So if you. On this past weekend, when you got my invitations for three things and you were like, oh, Danny, I don't know. Should we, if you were to say, okay, I know Craig has integrity. He is who he is. He has unconditional love. He's brave. He can say what needs to be said. If you tried him on, how would you respond to those invitations? No problem. I'd say whatever I wanted to say. Okay. And does that feel easier to do it when you are borrowing from mm-hmm. someone else's strengths? It kind of does, yeah. Okay. Why that also is awesome is because as you do that, as you try on these different strengths, you also get to learn if it really is something that you value. 
Because if you try it on and then it feels like, oh, I don't, I don't like how that feels. Maybe it's something I feel like I should value or those people are awesome because they have it, but it doesn't mean that has to be part of me and what I value. Mm -hmm. And I love that. This is kind of going off on a tangent maybe and sidetracking from what we were talking about because- I think we are so influenced as a society about, by our environment that suddenly when you hear people doing good stuff, you think suddenly I should also be doing that, especially oh, yeah. if they're having I, success at it. Yeah. Right. Well, I feel like that's social media. You see what other people are doing and you think I should be doing that. Right. And until you realize and you try that on and realize, why would I be doing that? That does not connect with anything that I hold valuable to me. Mm-hmm. So instead I can say, congratulations for them. Yay, you has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. And that leads us into the next step of surviving difficult things with family through the holidays and, and things, you know, I guess the concern of expectation is um, when things get hard and we are influenced by others' expectation, that's because we're accepting it as our truth. Push it back, hand it back to the person that's trying to give it to you. For me, inviting three, having three things and inviting you this weekend was because I had things that I was trying to get in based on my schedule mm-hmm. that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So me not going, that's, she's invited me to three things versus I could feel bad because we're not going and my kids want to be there and want to do this. That's based on you, your experience of being less than. Mm-hmm. Yes, that makes sense. Hand the experience back to me as Rachel has invited me to way too many things. Okay. And that isn't what I value. Right. And then it changes the perspective and the, and the empowerment that you find that no longer is a have to, it's a choose to, and it helps you make those decisions. Well, and I think just when you said that, just when you said your kids want to be there and I started to feel like this weight, like, yeah, they did want to be here and blah, blah, blah. And the second you switched it, well, Rachel's invited me to a lot of things. These are my values that weight was instantly lifted just by hearing you tell me the two different perspectives. Yeah. So and if the end result's the same. I can pick either way. I'm not here. You know, I didn't come. So am I going to feel bad about it or am I going to feel great about it? Right. And all that changes it is the perspective that you hang on to it with. And this goes back to when we talked about kind of creating alternative truths, alternative realities. There are many truths that can surround one experience and you decide which one is going to be yours. Yeah. When you're when you accept other people's truth, that is expectation, that's weight, that's heavy. You decide for you what your truth is around the exact same experience. Mm-hmm. And I would say make sure you're practicing handing things back to people that are trying to give it to you. Yeah. This is really helpful too if you have to go spend time with in-laws that you don't get along with or who pick at or trigger you. If you think, "Oh my gosh, my mother-in-law or my sister-in-law or my brother or whoever it might be, every time I'm with them, they say this, or they act like this, or they, and we immediately go, yeah, gosh, I'm not good enough. They act like this instead of going, well, actually it's not about me. It's about them. I'm going to push that right back and say, well, geez, they don't have great tact. Yes. Or they put way too much, too many expectations on me, or they're overachievers and want me to also be an overachiever. Instead of going, gosh, why aren't I doing this? Why shouldn't I? Because somehow, because they do it and it's their expectation, we expect, we accept it as ours. No. Yeah. We're the one that has to choose. Well, and if you can make that choice ahead of time before you get there, because I've had experiences where I've shown up to things 
with, and don't get me wrong, I love my in-laws and this could even just be with like friends or my own family where I show up with my walls up because I'm just have a bad attitude. I'm feeling resentful because I have to be there and I am not choosing to be there. And so the whole night can just be not enjoyable. Mm -hmm. But I have also had experiences where we're literally driving and I'm in the car and I'm psyching myself up like, Libby, just be positive. Just be happy. It's going to be fun. And if I can make that shift and adopt it, and I haven't really thought about choose to, but I do like that. I have just thought about trying to make it a better experience. And if I show up with that, it can change the whole night for everyone there, you know? And if I have to be here, I might as well choose <laughs> to make well, the best of it. Well, and really, also. you don't have to be anywhere. That's another thing is we do, we all accept these expectations, these have tos, this fear-based motivation. Mm-hmm. And, and sure, there are things like, yes, I feel like I need to be at my family party because if it's not our family who gets together all the time, but like my in-laws, we don't get together that often. And so I do feel not necessarily an, ep- an expectation, but an obligation to be there to yeah. support them. Yes. When there's an obligation and we know that it's something that we want to be to, but it's maybe not our, our first choice or like you're saying, try to find something small about that evening, about that experience that you can choose to shift your perspective from a have to to a choose to. Again, have to is fear-based. Choose to is an empowered, lighter, mm-hmm. more hopeful perspective. So if I'm going, like you said, to my in-laws, I'm driving, trying to talk myself up. Maybe you choose some amazing outfit you're going to wear, or you're going to choose what music you listen to, or you're going to choose a favorite thing that you like to eat that you're going to take, even if they don't want that. Find (laughs) something that shifts your perspective to say, I do get to have choice. Yes. And it flexes that muscle back to the fear that says, okay, hold on. You don't get to be front and center here of this have to, this expectation, this weight. Well, and also when you were talking, I was thinking before you said what small things you could hold on to. I was thinking about when you're there, maybe you're really excited to see the dog. <laughs> right. Seriously. It can be that small. It can be that or small. Or someone of had a baby and you're going to hold the uh-huh. baby. And it, because I know like when I think of a big family gathering, I think of lots of conversation and lots of um, it's really loud and it can be overwhelming. And so it let me think of something, a little peaceful snippet in there yeah. that I can grab of like holding a baby or playing with the puppy or playing with the kids even, you know, yeah. putting a game together for the kids to do or have them make cornucopias or yeah. whatever. And what's awesome is by doing that, by making that choice, this goes back to the whole underlying thing I feel like of everything we talk about or that I've talked about, and I feel like that as well, is our ability to choose what we think and what we feel. Yes. When you can do that, you're existing in a very healthy place when yes. you have that choice. So finding those small things that you can choose that this is going to be my focus or this is going to be my motivation. And when you're motivated out of choice, it feels so much better than when you're motivated out of fear and have to and expectation and wait. Those are the shoulds. Your ability to choose, that's empowerment, a beautiful empowerment, not the kind of empowerment that people, I, I see a lot of these days that's ugly and in your face and aggressive. 
it's your ability, even if it's just your perspective to choose for yourself. And not have to be in other people's faces about it. No. Exactly. And so if you find relationships that you have to be around this time of year, people that you have to be around difficult, make sure your perspective pushes whatever their difficultness is, difficulty, back on them. You get to choose your truth, your motivation to be in there, your choice of what you're going to do in being there. Okay, there's one more thing I want to say. Finding that that perspective that you're going to hang on to, that all, your truth, what your truth is. It is also okay to acknowledge difficulty. We are human. And I think a lot of times we look for validation for what we're feeling externally because that's nice. But if you're not receiving it, validate yourself. If it's hard for you to be around someone because they're difficult, acknowledge that. Yeah. It's okay to say, oh my gosh, this is going to be rough or she's rough or he's rough or he's not kind to me or she's not kind to me and ouch, it hurts. It's okay to validate it. I think oftentimes we try to quickly move on to either defense or what we're going to do next. But if we can acknowledge the hurt of the human experience for us first, mm -hmm. I think it's easier than to move into those different works of the now what. Yeah. Because for that moment, we got to say, yeah, sorry for you. That's rough. Or that wasn't kind. Or whatever we need to feel as human beings to feel like we're being heard. Yeah. Our emotions matter. That this matters. It's hard for me to do this. And say, yeah, this is hard for me. Mm -hmm. And now what? Right. And you're saying to just acknowledge that internally. Okay. So seeking that validation from ourselves, not just from external sources, by giving our emotions words, saying them out loud, that also helps us reconcile our emotions with logic because sometimes what we're feeling inside, the fears that we have about seeing family or the expectation when we say them out loud, our emotions can fib to us. Mm -hmm. When we say them out loud and connect it with words, it helps our logic hear it and those two can reconcile with each other. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Just like the crappy night I had at work the other night, when I was telling the story, I was like, maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe <laughs> I was just crazy that night. Right? And I very well could have been. And so, I mean, yes, it was, that doesn't dismiss that it was still a hard night for me. Right. But it did make me aware, like, huh, yeah, I was extra... Yeah, I was extra, extra that night. Like, I don't know what was going on, but sensitivity it's was okay. strong. Yeah. yeah. And so validating yourself and doing it out loud kind of helps you reconcile those two. Mm -hmm. I have the same experience sometimes where I'll think, um, like if my husband says something in a tone or we're doing something and in my head, I'll be like, you know what? Every time I tried and he, and, and I start to get mm -hmm. this way and, and I don't say it out loud. These are my internal thoughts and they start building based on what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And then I decide I'm going to share it with them. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be like, you know what? Every single time. And the minute that rolls off my tongue, my ears are like, yeah. like, hold the phone, lady. Yeah. You're getting a little ahead of yourself. That's a little extreme. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have known that until I actually heard myself attach words to the feeling. And then the, they recognize that they're not lining up. Yeah. Like one's way higher than the other. Right. And it helps me make more sense of it. Yeah, I agree. And I think if you have someone on the outside of the family, I wouldn't recommend, I would recommend, I do think it's helpful to vent to someone a mm -hmm. lot of times. Um, a lot of times you can go in your room and talk it out through it with yourself or whatever. And, and it is great when we can talk to other people, but sometimes their response makes us go, well, or yeah. 
makes us feed on it because then maybe they join. That's very right. So learning to validate for yourself and say, no, I get to say this is wrong or this hurt me or I'm sad. And if, if saying it, some writing for me, I've noticed my journal entries always start out with like, um, capital letters and lots of apostrophes and lots of colors. I use all the markers. Do you mean exclamation points or apostrophes? (laughs) Exclamation points. (laughs) Lots of commas. (laughs) Semicolons. quotations. Um, no, yes. Thank you. Exclamation points. And then by the end of my entry, I'm like writing in cursive and there's hearts because I just got to validate myself. I got to get it out. I heard, even if it was just me hearing myself and saying, this is how I feel. No judgment. It's not right or it's not wrong. This is how I feel. And now that I've gotten it out, now I can move on and say, what am I going to do? Yeah. I like that. I'm changing my recommendation. Don't vent to someone else. You don't need their <laughs> approval. You need your well, own approval. I, I do think it's good if you have people that you can talk to and to open that because we do all seek validation. And sometimes we want to tell the person who's going to get feisty and up and be like, oh, are you serious? Yes. You know, because you want that fire under them to validate exactly. you. Exactly. But that's not necessarily healthy. Yeah, I actually, that was one of my biggest internal battles I've had in the past while is I had something that was said to me and about me that was very, very hurtful. And, um, I was wrestling with it because what I wanted to do is I wanted to call my mom and my sisters. Cause I knew if I told them they would be mm. like, no way. Oh, did you never tell me? I didn't. What? And I heck? didn't tell my mom either, but let me tell you how hard that was. I actually was like, how long ago was validate this? yourself. It was during the summer. I was like, okay, you can do this. Validate yourself. You don't need the reason I knew my motivation calling them was because I wanted to stir them up and help light my fire to just exist in it longer because I wanted to be pissed as hell. So I, I filled up my bathtub, threw in some bath bombs, and I sat in there like... More than one bath bomb? That's like $22. Yeah. <laughs> it was the most expensive therapy session for myself. But I sat in there soaking till the water was cold and I was still pissed. I'm I'm saying it out loud. No, I hadn't actually said it out loud yet. And then I went, I'm like, I'm just going to get in bed and watch TV. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing. I'm going to try all of these things just to see if I can do something different than what I always do, which is call Libby, call my mom, call Sarah. And, um, and I did it. I validated it. I mean, it was work. It honestly was like a battle. Like, no, this is wrong. You can validate this yourself. You don't need to get them all fired up about something that is going to be fine in two days. Wow. Well, congratulations. But, well, and, and you- talking about, dad talks about the 10-minute rule, and I said it took two days. That's another thing. If you're having issues around people you're around with your family and it's picking at you, and then like five days later, it's still picking about you, it's not about them. Yeah. You've let them in. Your boundary with, with their truth is blurred with your truth. And somehow... It's about you being less. Yeah. So so make yourself more. Yes. Be aware of that. Not, Five days later, if it's still going on. Needing to tell you you're more, but just you know. Or them stopping their behavior doesn't need to change. Um, Welcome home from school. Let's be time to end. We're recording okay, a podcast. Let me hurry and finish. Um, okay. So I just want to, as we're talking about this, it's making me think, of Viktor Frankl, who dad always talked about when I was, when we were growing up and still does, um, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning and was a prisoner in a concentration camp in Aus- Auschwitz. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. 
And I think um, we all had to read that in 11th grade, didn't we? Yeah, I didn't read it until I, I just read it on my own. I didn't like in college probably, but, um, so this quote that my dad always said growing up is, uh, something that I've always held on to. And I feel like this guy is our ultimate example. He had nothing, his family, his freedom, every physical thing that could be taken from a person was taken from him. But he still had his mind and agency within his mind to choose how he was going to view the circumstance or to choose if he was loving or hating. Um, He just so I found the quote because I did read this a lot when I was a kid and um, now I should read it as an adult. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, the last, because he had had everything else taken to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And man, yeah. So choose a good way this holiday season. And then that makes me think of Jojo Rabbit, which we also need to talk about. Um. If you have not seen Jojo Rabbit and like if you do go see it based on this recommendation and you hate it, I'm really sorry, but it was for sure the best movie I've seen this year, mm-hmm. Rachel. By far. Yes. By far. It is about a uh, little boy growing up in Nazi Germany and, you know, being trained to become a Nazi and he aspires to be a Nazi. He aspires. He wants to be. He's excited. And um, it just is a beautiful story about, I don't, how do I even say what it's about without giving away too much? There's so much. The perspective growth is just profound. It's beautiful. And this is coming from two women, but I will tell you, my husband said top five he's ever seen. as well. And it ends with David Bowie singing in German and... (laughs) So my husband was especially emotional, <laughs> but we just get some every time. It was funny because I looked at him and I was like, do you think this is actually David Bowie singing? And he was like disgusted with me. Like, <laughs> I know you? this is David Bowie. I have listened to this album hundreds of hours. Like he knew exactly what it was. Um, but I want to talk more about it, but I don't want to give it away to anyone. So I won't say any more. recommend and recommend. Um, and it's very artistic as well. And and it's it's comical. I mean, we talk about it being a boy aspiring to be a Nazi. And it's that is just, we all have seen movies about that World War II and how heavy and dark they are. So this is a really different perspective because it's from the eyes of, of a young child and there's comedy in it but the comedy shows kind of ridiculousness so it's a perspective that is still it's so valid and so different and there is a part in the movie when the boy asks a girl who is a jew and she's hiding and he says what's the first thing you'll do when you're free and i answered in my mind what i would do and we had the same answer I could not keep myself together because these simple things that people didn't have the freedom to do that are the things that bring me the most joy in the whole world. And it just gave you a really good perspective of how great our lives are. Even when we think they're not great, they're great. Yeah. So 
In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Woo! Okay, thanks, Rach. Merry Christmas. Love you. Amen. Have a great... Thanks for getting this in. I wanted to get it out before the holidays, so I think we've succeeded. Okay. Hey, awesome. Thank you. Hey, everybody. It's Libby. Hey, we just wanted to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. We appreciate you. Our listeners have already blessed our lives so much, and... What an awesome holiday season it has been. We just want to say thank you for all of the love and support. We appreciate it so much. If you are still enjoying this podcast and you want to hear more, please leave us a review on iTunes. Okay, thanks so much. Lots of love. Bye.